All right. Welcome in to, I guess it's the first, at least it's the first for 2021, the first Dream Preview College Football Edition. I'm AJ Hoffman. Joining me for this season is ESPN football analyst, former D1 quarterback, Taylor McCarg. Hello, Taylor. How are you, my friend? Good. I'm good, AJ. How are you doing? I'm glad uh, Glad we're getting this thing off the ground. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's exciting. It's uh, I, I wish we could have started at the beginning of the season, but it, it's a wild time these days. It's a wild time, and uh, but it's it's good that we're we're able to get into it now. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna kind of talk some macro stuff. We're gonna go over some some actual college football discussions, I guess, and then we're going to uh, to basically just get into some picks. We're gonna we're gonna at least give leans, if not likes, on the biggest games of the week. We the three biggest national games of the week. And then we'll uh, we'll each have our three favorite plays and our three favorite sides and a favorite total this week, and uh, and we'll wrap it up. We'll keep it short. We'll keep it sweet, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully give some information along the way. One of the things that I think is, is pretty obvious is, unlike past years where there was a massive you know gap between say the top four or five teams or maybe even top two or three teams and the field that gap at least through three weeks looks like it's not quite as huge as it once was i mean it's it, the biggest thing that stands out for me when you look around is the impact of the covid year right i mean you have all of these you have sixth and seventh year seniors out there playing and i think alabama still looks like alabama i, I understand you know last week they go on the road. Florida gives them a test. I think Alabama and Georgia, to me, that you know, you got a one and two that are a clear cut ahead of everybody else in the country. But but beyond that, go through the Pac-12, go through the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big Twelve. There's more parity in those conferences than we've seen in a long time, and I think it's good for college football. I think it's healthy. Um, I think at the end of the day, when we get to the, the college football playoff, I think it's going to look pretty similar to what it's looked like in years past. It's going to be a lot of familiar faces, but it gives fans hope in the regular season, which is what college football has needed. The problem for the past in the college or in the playoff era by honestly, a lot of times this point in the season, you look up at take the big 12, for example, if Texas is down, which they have been, and fill in the blank school, Oklahoma State, maybe it's Kansas State, Iowa State, doesn't come out and have a big out-of-conference win early in the season. You sort of look at the conference and say, well, Oklahoma's going to be the representative or nobody at all. This is the first year in the college football and they're in the playoff era that I would say that you actually have a chance to have some schools sneak in that you haven't seen before. Uh, do I think Penn State is ultimately going to get in? No, probably not. But we don't know that yet. They look pretty good right now. They look like they can compete for the for, for the Big Ten championship and potentially run the schedule. That was a huge win for them over Auburn. So I think it's healthy for college football. And until they expand the playoff, you hope that you get more seasons like this where you have schools that may have a chance during the regular season that we haven't seen in the mix before. And it's not the usual four or five schools that we've had almost every year that, that we've been doing the playoff. Well, here's what we've certainly had. So S and P plus, which is a, an ESPN sort of a, a metric that they use to power rate teams. Uh, the, the preseason S and P plus numbers, Bama was number one at a 31.7 then there was a small bunching from like Clemson to Georgia was two, two to five, 28.8 to 25.4. And then you got all the way down. If you got down to number 10, it was 21.2. So 10 and a half points lower than Bama. If you got down to 20, it was Texas 16.7, 15 points lower than Bama. Well, fast forward three weeks, Bama's still number one in S and P plus, but it, they're four and a half points lower. They're, not even a full point ahead of Georgia. They're barely a full point ahead of Oklahoma. And if you wanted to find, okay, well, Bama to, to 20 was 15 points. If you look now, Bama to that, if you go down 15 points, you get to 25. So there's five extra teams in that same range. Uh, the, the, the pile is getting smaller. It's tightening. Uh, it, it, it's the teams at the bottom are moving up ever so slightly 
the teams at the top are coming down to the field ever so slightly. And really everybody and I guess, you know, I, I, I'm with you. I still think Alabama's the best team. And, and listen, it's the first close game they've had in two years. And, and everyone's panicking. Like, all of a sudden, they're, they're just not that good. Uh, but, but they've shown weakness now. Really, the only team that hasn't shown weakness, I guess, well, maybe, and I guess you could argue they played a tight game week one, was, was Georgia. And, you know, their, their weakness was just on the offensive side of the ball where – you know, there's they're not going to be that strong there uh, over the course of the season. But I like this. And and on, now if you're if you're like hoping for, you know, a, 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 some Cinderella team, a, a Cincinnati or something like that, maybe. But even now, three weeks in the top five teams in S&P plus are the same top five they were at the beginning of the season, just in a slightly different order, really. uh Clemson and Georgia have switched from two to five every Bama OU and the Ohio state university is still the same. So it's still the same crop. It's just uh, it's, it's a little bit tighter up there and there's more teams with a chance. I don't know if there's a team down there. You mentioned Penn state. I don't know if they can make that jump because we've seen weakness in them too. Uh, but the fact that there are some teams with a chance right now makes it a little more interesting than it would be if, you know, Ohio State and Clemson didn't have a loss. I, I, I certainly think it's more of an intriguing season so far. Yeah, I think the other thing that makes this year interesting is we are likely going to get to, when it comes time to make selections, you're going to have some one-loss teams, and it's going to come down to, hey, you may have Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, ACC. All of these have one – everybody's got one loss – even go to the SEC, like you just said, with Alabama and Georgia being right there. I think about Ole Miss. Ole Miss may beat. I mean, you, it's too early to tell. They got. They still got to sort some things out on defense. But their offense looks truly unbelievable. And you go back to last year, they had no problem scoring points on Alabama. I think there's a chance that you get. You call them upsets, but that, that's what makes this interesting. It's 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 not fun for anybody when you're in. September and October, and you look at the college football landscape and say, well, we it's, it's almost a guarantee here that Clemson's going to run the table out of the ACC. Ohio State almost certainly isn't going to lose, and they're definitely not going to lose to Michigan. And this is the first year, I know we're going to touch on it in a little bit, but I think this is the first year in a while that you look at Michigan and say, that actually might be a pretty good game towards the end of the year. So just for, I mean, in general, for the health of the sport, I'm for it. I think it's a great thing. I think this is what the college football playoff committee expanding to 12 teams you're trying to get to is give more people a seat at the table and not in a, okay, we're giving freebies out to people that don't, don't need it, but for the health of the sport, you need recruiting parity. And right now we, you don't really have that. There's only about 10 schools in the country that can realistically go into the five-star kids living rooms and say, Hey, if you want to play for a national championship or play in the, in the, in the playoff, you can come here and do it. Most schools can't say that. And I think that's what, for this season, it is refreshing to, to pull up games that are, you know, have implications for the, for the playoff later in the year with teams that in the past don't really have that. And I love your, the, the point that you made about the spread between at the start of the year. I even I go back to Oklahoma. Oklahoma at the start of the year to now, their odds to win the Big 12 have actually improved. But then you watch them, and from the eye test perspective, you say, well, I mean, they, they really didn't look very good against Nebraska. Problem for the Big 12 is they're, they're just not very good. There's not a lot in that conference that I think is going to challenge Oklahoma. Maybe it's Texas if, if, if they continue to roll with Casey Thompson. I think they have a better chance there. I know we'll talk about Texas later. But um, just in general, for this the opening topic we're going with here on parity, I think that's – it is – better for the sport and, and I like where uh where the sport is headed as long as you can keep that and have more you know more teams at the seat at the table I, I'm with you on that I think that there's a difference between more seats at the table and what I know a lot of fans of the smaller conference schools want like I'll be honest like Coastal Carolina they're they're ranked in the AP top 25 they've got no business being there no they've done nothing this year and if you've watched that team and you put them on the field with a middle of the road SEC team it's it's a bloodletting so I know everyone wants 
this this group of five to get a seat at the table. Oh, and I, I mean, I guess when the when the playoff expands, that's a possibility. But I, I think we're even maybe further away now than we were five years ago from a team like that having a shot to win a national championship. Yeah, Coastal Carolina, I think it was a three-point win over Buffalo, right? I mean, yeah. come on, let's – And a win over Kansas. Like, what, right. what, are we, what are we beating our chests about here? Right, give them, give them the ranking in the, in the middle teens, sure, fine. Coastal Carolina is not and does not belong in the top ten and certainly not in the final four. Go look at – Anybody out there listening to this, go look at the Coastal Carolina starting D-line. Just go down the line and look at their height and weight and tell me, does that belong against Georgia O-line, Alabama offensive line, et cetera, fill in the blank. And the answer is obviously no. They, it, it's a totally different recruiting pool. Can they get there at some point? Honestly, probably not. I think you're right. There are still the same 20-ish schools that depending on the cycle have a chance at a national championship and cycles come and go, right? You have the outlier that every now and then pops up and has a magical run. But for the most part, it, it's usually about those same 20 or so kind of power programs we're used to seeing Cincinnati this year, Cincinnati is not going, if they run the table with wins over Indiana and Notre Dame, they are not going to get in the college football playoff. It's not going to happen. I think if you get to 12 teams, is Cincinnati a top 12 team with those two wins? Yeah, sure. And then maybe you there there's a world at 12 teams where Cincinnati goes as maybe the, the 10 or 11 seed and upset somebody. But do they belong in the top four? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I can tell you now, I don't think – I think Indiana's going to end up – by the end of the season, we're going to look at Indiana and go, we thought these guys were good. Uh, watching Penix play, he just doesn't look like the same guy he did a year ago. He's had more interceptions in two games against – FBS teams this year than he had all of last season combined. I, I think Indiana's a mess. The one thing I would say is if Notre Dame were to win the rest of their games and their one loss was to Cincinnati, which the way Notre Dame's looked, I, I don't expect that. And we'll, we'll certainly get to Notre Dame when we talk the big games of this week. But it's hard for me to, to think that if Cincinnati is up there with zero losses and because we know a Notre Dame, a one loss Notre Dame, will be in the conversation. So if a one-loss Notre Dame's in the conversation, there's going to be people who will say, well, Cincinnati, if they're undefeated, has to be in the conversation because they gave Notre Dame that one loss. Maybe. I think I agree with what you said. I'm, I'm just going to lean on the fact that Notre Dame is not going to run the table. I, I, don't I think, think that's Notre probably Dame, safe. I don't think Notre Dame gets out of, gets out of soldier, soldier, soldier field this weekend without a loss. Um, but – Sure, if we go through the exercise, does Notre Dame runs the table with the exception being a Cincinnati loss? Does that it obviously improves their case? The problem also for Cincinnati, if you go down the American, it's not as good as I think people hoped. And unless you know, we'll see what happens with Dylan Gabriel coming back, but UCF being down, we'll see. That conference, I, it's not healthy enough for me to put an undefeated. AC, or AAC champion in the college football playoff yet. I, I think there's uh, there are other teams at one loss with a conference championship out of the power five that I think are probably more deserving. But again, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't, I don't think we're going to get there. Well, one of the things I want to do uh, is go over a couple teams. One team that people are panicking on saying, oh, this is a bad team. And one team that people are really high on right now. And I want to kind of gauge where you're at on these teams. And it brings me to Clemson, who is a team that a lot of people are low on now. And suddenly, I mean, maybe rightfully so. I, the, the performance against Georgia Tech is alarming. You can at least excuse the Georgia game. That was a close game, a, a well-fought game against a team that everyone expected to be a top-five team all year. They lose that game close. Okay, no big deal. But, I mean, that Clemson-Georgia Tech game – you're not supposed to be in a game with that team. That's supposed to be a blowout. And I said, the worst thing that could have happened to Clemson for their playoff chances has already happened. And it was Ohio state losing because now, Oh, you've, you've got a one loss Ohio state. Who's ahead of you in line. Certainly uh, their losses to Oregon. It's, it's, it's a, not a bad loss, but Ohio state, if they were to remain a, a one loss team, they're going to have some quality big 10 wins on their schedule that Clemson just can't match. 
Clemson's schedule for the rest of the season is just so it's so bad that it's going to be hard for them to to really you know earn back any goodwill. They're going to have to go blowing teams out, and then North Carolina loses uh, week one. So now Clemson's best chance for a win at beyond Georgia was over North Carolina in an ACC championship game, and now they've got a loss. So I, I think Clemson is in a precarious position for a team that most people just had penciled in to the final four. And now we're just, besides the schedule thing, we're seeing some cracks in the armor from this team that maybe they're just not as good as we thought. What do you think on Clemson? I buy into, I normally don't, but I buy into the panic for Clemson. And the reason is they are not very good on offense. Any way you slice it, their offensive line play. I mean, they're going into week one, against Georgia and they don't know who their center is going to be. They have not settled on who the starting center is going to be. I mean, those are, those are major problems. Those are things that don't happen at places like Clemson and their offensive line play has really not been very good. I watched Northern Illinois. That's kind of you, by the way, it's not been very good. That's very generous. I mean, they can't uh, run the ball. It's a mess. It's my PG version of, of their offensive line play, but I watched Northern Illinois go to, Georgia Tech and beat Georgia Tech. That Georgia Tech team is not good. And they hold Clemson to 14 points. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into some some picks later. And I'm, I'm teasing one of mine that I feel pretty confident in. But I don't think this Clemson team can score. And you mentioned the schedule. You go down the list through the rest of their games. There's not even – the big line, the big storyline for Clemson was, well, they, they're not going to really have a chance to play another ranked team until potentially the ACC championship. There's not anybody left on their regular season schedule that is going to come close to getting ranked except for Wake Forest. They have an outside chance, depending on what happens in conference play. They're, the, the big game that you would hope if you're Clemson, this team stays relevant, was South Carolina. South North. Carolina may win three games. Maybe. So, you get to the end of this and you're Clemson and, and your best win, if they win, is Wake Forest at home. I mean, I, I would go out on a limb now in September and say if they run the table from here on out and they win the, a, the ACC championship, I don't think they get in. I think there are some, some one-loss schools that, that are going to get in over this team. And I think it's because to put yourself in the mind of the playoff committee – their job, they say every year, is we're here to get the best four teams. That's how we ended up with an Alabama-Georgia national championship a few years ago. I think there, there is a, a very realistic world where Clemson wins out and a one-loss Oklahoma, a one-loss – I'm even going out on a limb to say a one-loss Oregon gets in over this Clemson team unless there are some drastic strides. DJ Uyunglele does not look good. He, he Intermediate – Short throws, these are these are things that you expect all quarterbacks across all level of college football to hit. He's missing things that you look you watch this playback and you say, man, this is his confidence is rattled. Um, so I am buying the Clemson panic, and I think there are some real answers that are that need to be they've got to address them specific to the offensive side of the ball. Well, I don't know that I'm as bought in as you are. I, I like to, I mean, I just assume, I mean, these guys have, they've recruited so well, they've got the best coach. It seems like they'd get it fixed, right? It, it, it seems more likely than not that they'll get it fixed. But right now I understand the questions and they're deserved, certainly. A team that's getting a lot of love and it's, it's hard to argue with right now is Michigan. Now, Michigan's played a bunch of crummy directional schools, so let's not go bleeping each other's bleeps just yet, but they're getting the job done. They're, they're blowing out bad teams like they're supposed to. What are your thoughts on Michigan? Are they for real? This is one I don't have a, a hot take. I don't have, I'm not nearly as strong on their position as I am Clemson. You're right. Uh, a couple directional schools in here and a Washington team that is really, really struggling. I don't think we know enough yet. The good news is, for Michigan fans, fans that have been waiting for this team, I think this is the first 
version of this team that has a real chance to beat Ohio State later this year. They're, and they have some tests along the way. They got to go to Wisconsin. They got to go to Penn State. And then they do get to host Ohio State at the end of the year. This is, a, they are finally in a position to beat Ohio State. And the reason I, I believe that is they can control the line of scrimmage. Offensive line play has been pretty good. They can, they run the ball really effectively. But I'm not sure yet. I mean, to be completely honest with you, they haven't been tested enough. The, the, the wins early in the season, they look great. But I feel like we always get this out of Michigan, right? I mean, I, I feel like it's you look up in September and they have these 50 and 60 point performances against some double directionals that um, get you excited. The difference this year, I, I do think, though, they have some depth and they're, they look good up front which for a long time for them has been one of the, the big issues, but we'll find out soon. I mean, this lots being made right now, this, this game against Rutgers, they're both three and O. Okay. I, I don't think they're going to have much of a challenge with the Rutgers, but the following week they have to go on the road. They got to go play at Wisconsin. I think we learn about a lot about them. Then they have to go to Nebraska after that. Nebraska is not as bad as people think. We'll, we'll learn a lot about them then. They get Northwestern at home. Northwestern's pretty terrible. And then you fast forward a couple of weeks, they, they go at Penn State. So there's some challenges along the way. They'll have an opportunity to prove themselves multiple times over. But long-winded way of saying, I just don't know yet. We, it's too soon to tell for me. So a couple things. Uh, Michigan, as far as the FPI, is if you look at ESPN's FPI, they are favored now to win every game left on their schedule. Now, if you may buy into that, you may not, but it's, it's got them as 50.4% of the time going to beat Penn State, 54% of the time going to beat Ohio State, and 55.4% going to beat Michigan State. I don't know how much I buy into that. Here's my question. Is it, can a team that plays the way Michigan State's playing as run-heavy as they are can that win in today's college football landscape for Michigan or Michigan state for Michigan, for Michigan, it can, um, the, another problem for them for the longest time is having a trigger man that can, if you're going to run the ball effectively like that, it requires hitting on your shot plays because you just don't have very many of them. If you can find that, that's been the biggest piece that Michigan has been missing for a long time is if you're going to run the ball effectively, that's great. But eventually a defense is going to figure out, okay, we, we crowd the line. We're going to come up with some creative run blitzes. We're going to take that away from you. You're going to make your quarterback beat us. And they haven't had that until they get that question answered. That's going to be the test. I left one out I talked about their test. You know, they got to go to Wisconsin. They got to go to Penn state. They have to go to East Lansing too. They play at Michigan state this year. So the schedule for Michigan this year is not very easy. Sure. They get Ohio state at home. But the rest of their out of or the rest of their conference schedule is pretty demanding, and it's going to require some quarterback play that, that they have not had for a long time. All right. With that said, let's get into making some money, Taylor. What? Uh, let's get into the big games this week. And Notre Dame plus five and a half against Wisconsin. This is a uh, this is a, a neutral site matchup at Soldier Field. What are your thoughts on the Irish and the Badges? For me, this is more about what Notre Dame is not versus what versus what Wisconsin is. Through the first couple of weeks, I have just been let down by Notre Dame. There's been nothing they have done to me that looks like, okay, this is a team that forget a, a playoff team. I don't think this is I think this is going to be a two or three loss team. I think they lose this week. I like Wisconsin laying the points. Uh, it's a neutral site game and you, they're just not going to be able to run the ball on Wisconsin. You go back to their, the, the loss that they had against Penn State. If they play that game over, I think Wisconsin wins by uh, maybe a couple scores. I mean, their red zone issues for Wisconsin, that's what held them back. It looked like a classic sloppy, your first game of the season, your first game back in front of a crowd in, in however long it's been, almost two years to me, this Wisconsin team is much more talented than Notre Dame is. Notre Dame at home against a couple teams that I, I really thought they would pull away from and win by two or three scores, struggled, struggled putting people away. And on a neutral site, 
I, I don't see them. I, I like, again, I like Wisconsin laying the points here. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm iffy on this one. I, I think this is a, a, the spread is actually pretty good. Uh, here's my concern. I feel like there's an overreaction to the Notre Dame negativity. And they looked bad again in their first two games. They looked really bad. And Toledo, God, Toledo losing to Colorado State. Really, yeah. that, and I mean, it's just like Florida State losing to an FCS school. It really just kind of muddles, like, what are these Notre Dame uh, close wins even worth? But last week was their best showing against the best team they've played in Purdue. Uh, they get a cover there, and we saw Cone start to go down the field. And this is where I'm kind of wanting to stay away from Wisconsin. I, I think Jack Cone's a better quarterback than Graham Mertz. And Cone's had seven deep throws of over 20 yards that are graded as big-time throws by PFF. The, it, Mertz has only attempted five deep throws all season long and completed a total of zero. They, they just don't work the ball down the field. And we saw in the Penn State game, they don't run the ball the way a normal Wisconsin team does. It, this offense just has zero explosiveness. And, you know, again, like I said, I, I'm, I'm not real strong one way or the other, but devil's advocate, Notre Dame takes the ball away. That's, what, that's one thing that they've done well this season is take the ball away. And Wisconsin, their offense cannot afford to, to give, a, give a, a ball over on turnovers. They, they, they just cannot. I will say the Wisconsin loss to Penn State is aging so well, though. You know, unlike these, unlike these close Notre Dame wins, the Wisconsin loss is aging very well. Penn State beating Auburn, that's a, that's a really good win. I think that Auburn team is very good. Uh, I think they had some questionable play calling at the end of that game. Auburn did. Um, but that, that's neither here nor there. Penn State did their job. They didn't, they didn't tell Auburn to try to throw a fade from the goal line at the end of the game. That's, that's somebody else's decision. Uh, but I, I, this is a, to me, this is sort of a watch-and-see game. I, I'm not sure that either one of these teams are as good as people think they are. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to sit back and watch. But if I, I kind of lean to taking the points because I don't think these two teams are all that different. Yeah. The only other thing I'll add on this one, if Notre Dame is going to win this game, it's going to be on the back of Jack Cohn and in the passing game, the Wisconsin defense. Notre Dame is not going to run the ball on this Wisconsin defense. So if they're able to take some shot plays and hit them, I think they, Notre Dame has a chance. But I agree with you. Wisconsin, I think, is going to play hide and seek. They're going to take when they get the ball on offense. It's going to be churn up the clock. They're not going to let Graham Mertz take a bunch of shot plays because he has had some terrible turnovers early in the year. And I think it's a, I think this is a slugfest. I'm not taking this later on, but I do. I really like the under in this game. I don't think I'm going to take it because it does have the chance. Notre Dame's, like I said, I think their only chance of winning this game is to air it out. Uh, and because of that, it, it makes me nervous. But I think this has a, the chance to be a, I mean, a, both teams don't break 20 points, that type of sloppy game. And that's the other thing, Notre Dame, they've got better weapons on the outside. Like they've got better deep ball pass catchers, actual playmakers. I don't know if Wisconsin has a playmaker on offense. That's another good point. I mean, you go back to, I, I watched that Wisconsin and Penn State game again for Wisconsin you're exactly right. It, they they looked like a team that was that was stuck in the mud. And even when they had opportunities in the red zone, there was nothing that looked like any sort of spark. There was nothing that gave you the feeling that okay, they're, they're going to be able to take some sort of shot play. They're going to be able to. There's there's nothing creative. It felt very much like, honestly, <laughs> every joke you ever hear about the Big Ten noon Eastern kick that hits the under every time is exactly what it looked like. And that's kind of what I'm expecting out of this game. Well, let's move on to the, uh, the next game. And this one I think might be the best game of the, of the weekend, Arkansas uh, catching about five at Texas A&M total around 47. And I'll, I'll go first on this one. I, I think Arkansas has had their game where they showed up and said, Hey, we're for real uh, against Texas. And the Aggies had a chance to do that against Colorado and really limped to a, a, a what was 10-7 win over a team that lost the next weekend to Minnesota by 30. Uh, here's what I know. The Aggies' defense is legit. It, it's going to be difficult for, 
for teams not named Ole Miss or Alabama to score on this team. They, they're they're very, very good on the defensive side of the ball. But the 34 points they put up against a, a UNM team that's bottom 20 in the country in talent and 41 points against a MAC team don't exactly tell me that they're going to be able to go out and score against – you know, legit SEC competition. And, and right now, Arkansas is legit SEC competition. And without Haynes King, man, I don't know what their offense is going to – how good it can be. And, and Arkansas, they're going to look to run the ball. They've, they're averaging 282 yards per game, which is eighth nationally. And while A&M's got the best scoring defense and the best pass defense in the country, they're allowing 162 rushing yards a game, which is even wilder when you consider – you know, they, they're playing games where the other team shouldn't even be running the ball. They're losing by 30 points, and somehow they're giving up 162 rushing yards per game. That doesn't make sense. So it makes me think that there is some weakness to that that Aggie rush defense. Um, here's the deal. This is what scares me. The Aggies have won every time they've played since joining the SEC, every time. But it's been a fight. Since 2014, five of those seven games have been one-score games. Three of those went to overtime. And though in the last seven years, there's been some really, really bad Arkansas teams. I think Arkansas hangs here. I think they've got a chance to win in what's what should be a, a pretty low-scoring game. The One of the last things you just said, how many of their matchups recently in the last 10 years have been one-score games? That's what I'm leaning on. I think if there's a game out there that you maybe look at the money line, sprinkle a little bit on that, I think this is the one for me. I think – there's some value in Arkansas. I think there's a chance, a very good chance that they win this game. If you made me pick just on the money line, I think A&M does ultimately win this game, but I think it's a one score game. I think KJ Jefferson has played pretty well. They, the Arkansas run game has been effective. That's going to be the big question is what are they able to do with KJ? That is something they haven't shown early in the season. I hate that this game isn't played on site, I, the, I'm, I feel like there's been a trend with this the first three weeks and people are finally waking up to the fact that these neutral site games are horrible. And I don't think anybody's in favor. I've not heard anybody or seen anything on Twitter where somebody's like, yes, yeah, sign me up for another Miami, Alabama at Jerry World. And no one wants that. I, but, and I think, well, I think there's, there's, you know, some of these environments are very sterile, like, you know, Jerry World, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, yeah, I don't think anybody's complaining totally. about Texas OU at the Cotton Bowl or, or you know, uh, Florida, Georgia. I, I don't think anybody's complaining about those games. I think it's I think it's the new mega stadium games that are kind of frustrating to people. Yeah, because those games. You're exactly right. You turn on the TV and you think I, I'm not you could make this. Is this at SoFi? Is this at Mercedes Benz? Where is this being played? They all look the same. And that's that is the reason why people love college football is the emotion tied to it and the ability of a Saturday on campus is one of the, I mean, it's amazing. That's why people go back to their college and go back to their alma mater. And when you take that away from people and you have A&M Arkansas at Jerry world, that that's, I mean, they talked about it a little bit this week. Arkansas did on, you know, Pittman was like, I would rather this be at home, but you know, it is what it is. Going back to the pick here, I like Arkansas to cover. I think it's a one-score game. New Mexico that AM just beat, New Mexico is not a very good team. And, and even in that game, AM scoring drives looked – there were a couple shot plays, a couple home run balls, but there was still a lot of drives that looked like they're just struggling to get things going, struggling to find momentum. And if you go back and watch what Arkansas did to Texas, they completely disrupted any sort of momentum. And there were a couple shots in the, in the first half of that game that Texas missed. And after that, there really weren't a lot of opportunities for big plays. I think this is honestly fairly similar to what we were just talking about with Wisconsin and Notre Dame. I think this is a back and forth, a lot of, a lot of possession, a lot of what could break this open is some sort of a turnover, right? If you have some issue at special teams, if you have a, some sort of interception or fumble back in, in, in your own end, I think that's what could turn this around. Otherwise, if this is a clean game, I think it's it's a one-score game, and I like Arkansas to cover. I'm with you on that. Uh, let's go to the last of our big national games, West Virginia, Oklahoma. Not exactly – I mean, this tells you how 
how good the card is this week. It's a 16 and a half point spread. Uh, West Virginia getting 16 and a half at Oklahoma. But I like West Virginia here. Uh, it, what I've seen out of Oklahoma is a a team that's getting a lot, uh, get, getting by a lot more on reputation than they are on on field performance. Certainly, they've had a a dominant win over an FCS team, a bad FCS team that's sandwiched between two close calls against FBS squads. And that Nebraska win showed off some things about the defense after they got worked in Week One by Tulane, but. It's still a little alarming that they couldn't get any margin from that Nebraska team. And you know Oklahoma was up for that game. Nebraska tried to bail out of that game preseason. It was just – I thought Oklahoma was going to want to go in there and just crush that team, and they just looked disinterested. And West Virginia's coming off a big win. That's a a ranked team, uh, Virginia Tech, that they beat. And uh, Jared Daigie's been – really good so far at quarterback and if you put his numbers down on paper next to Spencer Rattler who was like Mr. Preseason Heisman hopeful Spencer Rattler there's not a lot of difference between those guys in 11 less attempts Daggy's thrown for 32 yards and a touchdown less than Rattler so the the OU pass defense worries me and West Virginia looks like they can push that a little bit based on what Tulane did. That makes me think that, that West Virginia could push them a little bit. And Oklahoma always gets the best effort from everyone in the conference. And for Oklahoma, they've got potential look ahead because after this, their next three games are road game with ranked Kansas State, Texas, and TCU. This can't be like a, a – West Virginia is certainly not a circled game on the schedule – for Oklahoma. So I'd really like 17. I think the number is playable if it hits 17, but at 16 and a half, I certainly lean to the Mountaineers. <laughs> I spent all morning today trying to figure out, am I missing something? Did, did West Virginia have some players get suspended or did somebody, did they have a COVID outbreak? This line stinks to me. I, ca- I cannot figure out West Virginia, in their opener, it was a coin flip game. They very easily could have won against a Maryland team that really is not that bad. That is going to be a maybe eight-win team out of the Big Ten. Now, I think that's not great, obviously, but for your opener on the road, I think that West Virginia team should have – There's a, a you could make an argument they should have won that game. They beat ranked Virginia Tech, and now they're going on the road to a team that – like you mentioned, go back and watch that Nebraska game on offense. Talk about explosive plays. That's kind of what you've come to expect. I mean, with with Oklahoma and their scheme, there is a lot of get out of the pocket, have multiple crossers downfield, have people getting open that are 35, 40 yards downfield where you got to be really patient. There's none of that. The days of C.D. Lamb running scot-free 45 yards downfield, we haven't seen any of that. So to me, I'm looking at this game thinking there is a chance West Virginia comes in here and wins this thing, much less a, a 16-point line. I agree with you, 17 would be nice, but I've, I've struggled to figure out what does Vegas know, which they always do, that I don't, because I thought really to me if they had beaten Maryland early in the year, I think this line is like a single-digit number, but – I think that has had such an impact on people's perception of this team. But to me, I agree with you. I would go Mountaineers in this. And I think there's a chance, depending on it, we'll see what happens with downfield passing game for Oklahoma. But I think there's an outside chance they could come in and win this thing. Uh, and you've, it's funny. Do you think Maryland is a bad football team? No, I don't. I, I think, think they're pretty solid. I mean, the, the Illinois game, I, I would have liked to see them play a little better there, but – I mean, Tua's little brother looks like he's got some game. I, I, I don't think Maryland's awful. So that that loss to me is aging pretty well. I completely agree, and that's been not the win over Virginia Tech. I think they honestly they jumped out. I think it was twenty-seven to seven at one point and let Virginia Tech climb back in that game. To me, the the bigger thing here is that they had the potential to be three and zero with two wins over 
Maryland, I, I totally agree with you. This is not a bad football team. Now you're going on the road to Norman. And I was just so underwhelmed watching them against Nebraska that week. I mean, that Nebraska offense is really not very good. And they still, their scoring drives are on, on short ends of the field. I, I will say that. Nebraska, when they did score, they didn't have to drive the length of the field. A lot of times it was either a turnover or they, they you know, got a punt back to about midfield. But still, my, my issue here is not with necessarily Oklahoma's defense. It's this offense looks out of sorts and it's not what we've come to expect from Lincoln Riley and this Oklahoma offense. All right, let's get into, uh, let's get into our best bets of the week. Uh, we'll, we'll rate them three, three, two, and one, and we'll have a, uh, a total, our favorite total of the week there at the end. Let's start with your best bet, your three-star play, Taylor. Where, where are you going with this, this week? You know, I'm going to lead off with North Carolina State at home. They're getting 10 against Clemson. I think Clemson wins this game, but North Carolina State went on the road and had a chance to beat a Mississippi State team that, again, I don't, I don't think that team is very bad this week, even though they just lost to Memphis. I don't think that team is very bad. North Carolina State, that's a tough place to play. And this Clemson team, we talked about it earlier, I don't see them blowing many people out. I'm not, I think they're going to have a hard time running away from people. And they got to go on the road. They just struggled to pull away from a Georgia Tech team that I don't think is very good. I'm pretty confident this is this is absolutely the one that, I, that stood out to me on the board. I like North Carolina State getting 10 at home. The thing that scares me is my preseason power rating on this game was about 18, and that's with home field factored in. It felt like this was going to be I – mean, I mean, it feels like the spread's been almost cut in half. And I get it, Clemson struggled. I don't know if North Carolina State's as good as I thought they were either. That's the only thing that gives me some pause because I had I had pretty high expectations uh, of this North Carolina State team, and they've been. Um, I, I I don't want to say they haven't they haven't been bad, but they just haven't been what I thought they were. That Mississippi State game was that's a that's a team that if you're a good team you should at least compete with. And they just didn't. And they got a blowout win against uh, uh, South Florida, who might as well be an FBS team, and, and Furman, who is an FBS team. That, that data point against Mississippi State gives me some pause because I, I thought they were going to win that game outright. And, you know, this would be a match of, of two 3-0 and teams. And NC State might be a team that, you know, could, could surprise some people. And now I'm, I'm not as sure as I was about NC State. And if Mississippi State's beating them by 14, I mean, if Clemson even gets halfway right, then we could see some problems. Yeah, that that one against Mississippi State, it, it got away from them late. But again, this to me is more about Clemson than it is about NC State. I don't have confidence in Clemson and their offense to pull away from people. I think they're going to let people hang around. And is there a chance... I don't think North Carolina State's going to win this game, but is there a backdoor cover with a last second, you know, you get a field goal to get this to nine or they have a touchdown to get this to, you know, lose by five or six. Yeah. I, I think that is more in line with what it looks like from Clemson. I, I just don't see a way that Clemson scores a bunch and runs away. It just pulls out and goes and hides. All right. I'll go into my uh, three-star Western Kentucky plus nine against Indiana. I said it earlier. I, I think this Indiana team is phony, phony, phony. And Western Kentucky, here's, here's what they did in the offseason. They brought in an offensive coordinator from Houston Baptist named Zach Kitley. And not everyone's going to – well, people are like, Houston Baptist, what? These guys, all they do is score points. I mean, it's, it's absurd. He brings in this, this recruit – or this, uh, this offensive coordinator who – is formerly of Mahomes era, Texas tech. So this guy's worked with some QBs in his time. And he brought in Bailey Zapp, the quarterback and his top three wide receivers in four games last year, HBU only played uh, four games last year. Zapp was 141 for 215 for 1,833 yards, 15 touchdowns and a pick. 
Does that sound like your uh, stat lines from college, Taylor? That's exactly what Rice was doing from 2009 to 2013. So huge numbers. And so far this year, 56 of 75 for 859 yards, 10 touchdowns, two picks. The offense has clicked faster than I think people thought. Uh, And listen, Indiana's offensive output in their first two games has been rough. And I, I know there were high hopes for this Indiana team that, you know, I know people thought this, it would be a big win for Cincinnati if they can beat Indiana because Indiana beat Michigan last year. And they were, I think they were, what, 10 and two last year, a good season last year for Indiana. First time in a long time, Michael Penix ready to be a star. He can't stay healthy. He doesn't look right ever since the ACL. I know he spent all season uh, trying to, uh, trying to rehab that knee and then, now he's got a, a busted up hand. He was He's a lefty, but he was holding his right hand off the field. They were looking at that. He's just a walking injury report. And I, I don't trust this Indiana team. I, I, I like what Western Kentucky's got, this new offense. I thought maybe it was going to take a little while to click, but it's really just jumped. And you're telling me I'm getting nine points at home? I, I'm going to take that. I'm, I'm going to keep fading Indiana and I'm going to say that that Michael Penix, who's you know completing less than 50 percent of his passes and has more more picks than touchdowns, I'm going to, I'm going to say that they uh, they continue to struggle, and it wouldn't shock me if Western Kentucky gets a win here. No rebuttal from me. All you need to know about Western Kentucky and their ability to cover is go back and watch the bad beats from Scott Van Pelt when they covered against Army. If you go watch that. That's all you need to know. I have no rebuttal for this. I like that pick. All right. What's your uh, what's your two star? My two star, and this is we we touched on this a minute ago, and I I, th- I think I'm I'm stealing one that we I know we said maybe okay don't touch the, you know take the ones that we uh, we hit on for the for the major games, but again I spent all morning trying to figure out why the hell this line is what it is. I like West Virginia and the points. Give me 16 going to Norman. I can't. I cannot figure out this line. For that reason, Oklahoma will probably cover. Um, but it's just too much for me right now. I think this is a. This could very well be a back and forth slugfest. Maybe a but the over under scares me on this one. I, I would not touch that one. But I like West Virginia and the points. I think this is going to be a pretty close game. I, again, I going back to the earlier segment. You're going to get no rebuttal from me. I I, I like them as well. Uh, my two-star, oh, a team that bucked me last week in painful, painful fashion. Army, who was up 42 nothing at halftime on Connecticut. And somehow Connecticut luck boxes their you way. You bet into, this game? I bet that game. <laughs> and, I mean, the grossest thing, they get to fourth down. Connecticut's got fourth down. They go for it. There's a pass interference penalty called on on uh, on Army, so they get a new set of downs. They get to fourth down again, and they finally score with under a minute to go and get within the number. But listen, I've been really really impressed with Army so far, and they are a they're better defensively than they have been in the past years. Um, they are they're they're going with a lot more tempo than you, a normal service academy does. I, I guess that they've, they've found, listen, we're going to, we're going we're gonna to move quickly and the more plays we can run, the better, the better chance we've got. Uh, they're not worried about resting their defense like normal. They, and, and it's working for them. And in Miami of Ohio, in their first game against Cincy, it, listen, Miami, Ohio is really, they're pumped right now. They just thumped LIU. This is one of these teams that only got to play like two games last year. Uh, they get out and they thump an FCS team. They're beating their chest, but Army's going to be different. In, in that game against Cincinnati, the Bearcats ran all over Miami. Jerome Ford, 12 carries, 121 yards. And overall, Cincinnati ran the ball 31 times for 247 yards and three touchdowns. And then they got Minnesota, who lost like an, an all-Big Ten candidate running back week one. So they get Minnesota's backup running back, Treshawn Potts, his first start after Ibrahim's injured, uh, 34 carries, 178 yards, two touchdowns. 
it, this is pretty simple. If you cannot stop the run, you cannot beat Army. And what I've seen so far from Miami of Ohio is they are going to struggle all season to start the run. The Army is a complete team. The 10th best offensive team per PFF through the first three weeks. They've shown a balance that they haven't shown in the past. Uh, it, I'm licking some wounds from last week, but I'm going to ride with the Knights again. So Army minus eight against Miami of Ohio will be my two-star play. I said out loud in front of a group of friends, oh, UConn covered. And he looked at me like I was an alien, like I had a problem. And I realized then that I'm one of the only sickos that was following that game. I, it makes me so happy that you bet that game. Oh, it, um, it, you think you're a sicko? <laughs> I watched the whole game. I was watching it on television. It was one of the, it was an early game and it was the only early game that I had. Who I, had that game? Uh, CBS Sports, CBS Network. College Sports, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I just I, I watched the entire game because it's the only it, it was the only early action that I had, and it was just yeah. a, a disgusting, disgusting beat. No coat, uh, no counter from me. I think that it is a good Army team, and I like that you brought up balance. They are throwing more than they do traditionally, but uh, I agree with you. I think they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna have any problems scoring points, and uh, I, I I like that pick. Yeah, I like that. All right, let's move on to your one star. I think this line is where it's at because of some early season success that I think maybe has surprised some people, but I thought that UTSA coming into the year was going to have some, I thought they'd beat Illinois. I had them covering against middle Tennessee. However, I do not think they keep this within three points at Memphis. That is a tough place to play. And that's a good Memphis team that I Mississippi state should have beaten them last week should have beaten Memphis in the Liberty Bowl but I think this is Memphis is just the better team um and I think they they have they, they, this is a seven to ten point win likely for them UTSA will keep it close for a long time but I think this line it's gotten too close and there is a talent discrepancy between these two programs I love what Jeff Trailer is doing at UTSA I think there's a chance UTSA likely wins out the rest of the season the only game i think they could lose is they have to they, they get uab later in the year but they get them at home i think there's a chance you get to the end of this season and uab is, has run the slate in conference undefeated and may sneak in and they're going to get some top 25 votes if that happens maybe sneak into the top 25 but going to the liberty bowl is a tough place to play and memphis is pretty talented i i like memphis to cover laying the three points that's an interesting one. UTSA was a team that I I ended up I didn't bet last week, and and really what I had landed on was the total, because I thought oh, Middle Tennessee State's pretty they're pretty bad on defense. I, th I think UTSA will run up the score here, and maybe the the total was the way to look at it. I'm glad I didn't because it was a loser. So I was a little worried about UTSA's offense coming into this week. I think Memphis is a good defensive. This, I think this is a low scoring game. Um which is the only the only reason I'm not running to bet on this one is in a low scoring game I I much rather take the the dog than the the favorite but I agree with you on on a lot of things here I'm I'm with you that I mean they're scared this but this is the home run spot for them this is this the game on their schedule and I think maybe by the time it's said and done Western Kentucky at Western Kentucky that may be a game on their schedule that they circle too but this is the, probably the best UTS, UTSA team in a long time. And you knew coming into this week, this was a game that they were going to get up for. I wonder if Memphis will be up for them. It's a good point that maybe they overlook this team, but I don't know. It should be easy to get your team to focus on undefeated with a win out of conference at Illinois. And that's a, they were the better team against Illinois. That wasn't a, Oh, they went on the road and got lucky and stole one. Honestly, it should have been a bigger win than it was at Illinois. But to me, again, if this was – even if this was at four and a half or five, I probably wouldn't touch it. But a field goal is just – that's not enough for me. And we'll see. Could I be completely wrong here and UTSA goes up and beats Memphis? Yeah, that could happen. Uh, but, but I don't see it going that way. I, I, I think Memphis – wins this by closer to a touchdown all right my one star play i'm bottom feeding here new mexico plus one and a half at utep uh, i just think the wrong team is favored here um <laughs> I, I, i'm not trying to i'm not going to make a case that new mexico is good they're not 
but I'm also not believing that this UTEP team is good. I, I okay, they're two and one. Let's throw a party. Uh, they might even start three and two because they get Old Dominion a- after this, and that'd be great by UTEP standards. Uh, but New Mexico, this is not New Mexico State. This is not Bethune Cookman level bad. Uh, and if the last time we saw New Mexico, they were getting blanked by Texas A&M. And I bet Texas A&M last week, the, I, I said the difference is just physicality. The, the, the bodies in the trenches for A&M, the, New Mexico can't compete with those guys. And, and that's what it boiled down to was New Mexico, they just couldn't move the ball. Uh, they've got a, a quarterback in Terry Wilson, who's a grad transfer from Kentucky, started his career at Oregon. He had been phenomenal at quarterback for New Mexico until that Aggie game, and then he—I'm surprised they even put his stats in the in the in the box score. He was ten of twenty-three for thirty-three yards and a pick. That's it. Couldn't do anything against that front because, like I said, the bodies in the trenches were—it was just stacked against him. But he's going to be the most talented player on the field on Saturday, and in three games this year, and eight last season. So the last eleven games. UTEP has forced three interceptions in those 11 games. And Deron Lowe, who had two of those three last year, he's transferred to Liberty. Uh, so I, I, think that, I think that Wilson is going to get comfortable, and I, I think New Mexico is going to get a win on the road. Like I said, I'd probably, I probably would have had New Mexico minus three. When I saw New Mexico with a plus, I was all over it. So uh, New Mexico plus one and a half at UTEP will be my one-star play this week. I'm with you. I don't think UTEP's very good. I watched about a quarter of the Bethune-Cookman tape. Not very good. It's – what can you say? I mean, you, you think you said bottom feeding. This is some bottom feeding. This is going to be a tough – are you going to watch this? Are you going to – on Saturday? Oh, no, God, no. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> are you going to be Are you going to be calling this for ESPN Plus? This is your kind of game. No, I am not. I have <laughs> – uh, I actually have a fairly similar game, but no, I do not have this one. I don't hate the pick, and I think I like the reasoning that it really will come down to quarterback play. Um, I The only thing I will say in UTEP's favor, the throwback uniforms for Texas Western that they're rolling out this week they are, are pretty sick. dope. Yeah. They're awesome, uh, but I still think they lose outright. All right, let's get into uh, your favorite total this week. What do you got? Yeah, this one is – I'm not overthinking this. I'm going straight to what did they do prior to this past loss on the road, the whiteout game. I think Auburn may cover the 57 at home against Georgia State by themselves. Before this week or before this past week against Penn State, they scored over – they scored 60 and 62. That was against Akron and Alabama State. These, These were not very good football teams. But if you go back and look at Georgia State, they gave up close to this. They may have given up. It was like 57 or 60 to North Carolina. I think Auburn covers the points. I think Georgia State will, will score a couple times late in the game, but I think this goes over over 57. I don't – I think this is very much a, okay, get your mojo back, get your legs back underneath you for Auburn. Let's put up some points. Let's get some momentum back before we get into the conference slate. So I like the over at 57 for uh, Georgia State and Auburn. I, I typically want to just bl- – like I didn't last week, and I actually made a, a, a pretty heavy bet on the under in the, the Auburn-Penn State game. But I love Auburn overs because Mike Bobo wants to go, go, go. He wants to put 100 points up every week, and I love it. He doesn't yep. care He doesn't care that it's a blowout game. He's going to keep trying to score more and more points. That's a better's dream right there. If you got a chance to run it up on a bad team, do it. And I'm with you. I may be looking at uh, the point spread on Auburn as well. Uh, mine's going to be a, a, a pretty marquee game, I guess, relatively. Tennessee and Florida, over 63. Tennessee is running Josh Heupel tempo, uh, 81 plays per game, up from 69 a year ago. And he, Heupel's doing Heupel things. And so far, Tennessee's offense, been it's been fairly efficient, uh, 422 yards a game. Florida, they held up well. They, they, they showed well, I guess, considering they were playing against Alabama's junior NFL defense, Tennessee's not going to be that resistant. And uh, they'll also, Tennessee will likely see something that Bama didn't. Uh, I'm hoping Anthony Richardson is back. 
and Emory Jones took every snap while Richardson healed up this week and and he just presents a weapon that's hard to game plan for uh both these teams willing to go up and down the field I, I think we get over the total with some wiggle room here Tennessee Florida over 63 will be my favorite total of the week I the only concern I have with that is if Tennessee comes out and struggles on offense because I could see this one Florida pulls away in this game and Tennessee just can't hold up there into the bargain um I'm I'm still I still have their opener stuck in my mind where their offense just was pitiful um but I I like anytime you have a tempo team against especially you have a, a school I mean off on offense for Florida they will get there I the only concern I have is can Tennessee hold up their end of the bargain um but we'll see all right well Taylor McCarg it's been a pleasure my friend we'll be doing this again every week and uh I appreciate you taking the time and uh man I hope you guys enjoyed this out there we'll we'll try and keep this college football thing going and tell us what you like tell us what you don't like we'll try and uh we'll try and keep improving this thing week to week but uh good luck to you this week on your bets taylor and uh let's go and and make a little make a little bit of cash how about that let's do it enjoyed it and we'll uh we'll circle up next week and and see how good or bad this thing went all right man have a good call this week and uh, we'll talk to you later i appreciate it